Come follow us on our journey to get a low-budget DIY feature film from script to screen and beyond. And beyond. Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> Look at yourselves, realistically, nobody's going to give you that money. Nobody. You don't know who the fuck you are. It's a complete risk. You are unknown. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. For now, you're just some pair of idiots like everyone else. Never wait for permission. You just have to start. Give yourself something impossible to do and then just find the bloody way of making that thing happen. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Yeah. Hello, Aaron. How are you doing? Oh, Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone, to episode 26. I think is this it, is. Is, if it I'm 20, right. is it 26? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, we're on 26 now. I, like thought, I feel like we've missed about five episodes. I think that episode where we wandered around drunkenly in uh, Alexander Palace we took up about four episodes. Yeah, it was long, wasn't it? And yeah. very kind of waffly and lots of wind blowing into our mics. And Yeah. We promise that this these ones aren't going to be like that, <laughs> listeners. So it's if you've weird. managed to if you managed to stick with us beyond that one, then well done. From here on in, it does get much more sort of straightforward and uh, a more useful content. We're back, yeah, we're back to our kind of more kind of straightforward zoomy ones. Not back in the yeah. shed yet. I want to do another. I keep banging on about we need to get back in your shed. To I know. Bring it I back know. to where it started. But. Uh, that this is very true. Well, we'll have to do. We've got some kind of you know things coming up haven't we some sort of eventuality so maybe we'll mm. use the shed as a sort of a opportunity to punctuate some of those eventualities but um, mm. it's lovely to see you i haven't actually seen you as well as done a podcast with you for i don't know a couple of months something like that it's a couple of months we've both been uh, busy boys the first half of this year haven't we or quarter yeah. of this year really so it's been yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen you at all you've been deep into your dock and and um and we've been sh shooting bits of old man so we've been kind of mad mad busy shooting bits of old man sounds really disturbing doesn't yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> so come on tell us about you because i haven't actually even spoken to you properly like as in a face-to-face -face or a conversation properly about your shooting old man so yeah. wind it all back wind it all back because for as far as our listeners are concerned we're just yeah. a couple of drunks in in uh, Alexander Palace talking about we've got to get some shit together this that's year. Right, that's right. That's right. What's happened? I, I think I did say in Ali Pali I was incredibly vague where, even when you asked me then about what it, what it was what was going to happen. Yeah. In in our shoot in March, and I think I just said it's going to just be something that's going to just be something, and I don't know what it's going to. And I and I just didn't know. I just couldn't really commit because it just felt so big at the big at the time, and yeah. um, you know. You know, like we've talked about on this podcast before, and we've talked about Old Man in its early iterations, and it was like a kind of episodic web thing we were going to do. Yeah. And it wasn't until me and you started talking quite realistically about how even doing something on a shoestring, how much that might cost, that we start to think, well, you know, at least if we make it a feature film, then we'll have a chance of recouping some budget on the back end, and then it won't be such a, a massive burden for... Uh, absolutely for me to make so um so it did kind of it's suddenly you know i, I was i want to say suddenly maybe maybe it was around the, the turn you know the new year that it, it became a feature film after being this kind of episodic thing for so long yeah uh and then it oh man so much has happened i don't i don't quite know where to start because the, <laughs> the, the, the film, it kind of became a film and then it kind of fell apart and the, the whole project's kind of fallen apart on me maybe five or six times yeah. quite quite in quite a calamitous way and you know budget fell through quite large bit of budget fell through that meant that we really we really couldn't make it in any shape to the shoot in march but it was it was rami actually our dop who basically said look I called him up and I said, look, there's a, there was a bit of money that I thought we were going to have to make this happen in March. That money isn't there anymore instantly. And, and it kind of went in an instant on some kind of um, horrible situation. And I and he just said, look, well, if there's any way you can make this happen, because this, the location, it was so good. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said, if there's any way you can get people up there, 
to shoot for that week, I would just try and do anything. And and I, he kind of pulled me back from the brink of me just kind of pulling the plug on the whole thing. In fact, I think in my mind, I had pulled my plug on the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he just gave me that kick up the ass to be like, look, just try, just try. Yeah. Just do something, try and get people there. So I had to call, after telling all the actors that the film looked like it wasn't happening, I had to go back to them and say, would you be into the idea of doing this for nothing just just this week uh we we've, we're in a real situation but we have this location we'll, you'll be fed you will you'll we'll give you a lovely place to stay for a week what could you possibly stretch you know you know do me a huge huge favor and be very generous if you come to us you know come to the lakes for a week and shoot and, and pretty much all the actors uh, agreed to it so we were very 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 lucky and wow. you know, Ra- rami was obviously into it he was kind of the big instigator on getting this done we yeah. managed to get uh andre our sound guy to agree to do it for a week you know uh, my friend luke came up and helped us for you know so it was lots of people doing us huge huge favors and we just yep. got we got ourselves there to the lakes um uh, I mean, lots of lots of other things kind of went wrong around that as well. That, that <laughs> Come on, like, give us the list. Come on. Oh this my god! What, this is when we know that you've achieved something. You see, when we see the list that's piled up on top of each, oh, oh, of each other. Well, it was like, oh well. Well, I, I mean, think at one point you said to me, "Oh, one of my actors has pulled out," and this yeah, was like a week before, was, and I was, was like. Oh that my was a week. God, you're going to be before. in it yourself, aren't you? At this that stage? was a week before, and that was that was almost not the biggest scary thing that happened as well. Oh my God! So, so, for example, like you know, going winding back a little bit to it being a being a a web series at first, you know, mm. and, and I guess in a way, I did have in my mind that this could be a feature film. I always did because I yeah. always wrote, I always wrote it in that sense. But what it was was we've been talking for so long about making a feature film, and it was always routine. Yeah, uh, this other script that that we've got, uh, and you know, because we'd never made a feature film before, the kind of it's a very scary pros- prospect when you set out. You know, the old man was written in 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 a sense to be something that wasn't a feature film that would kind of gear yeah. us up, give yeah. a bit of experience of doing something longer form. You know, and and a, narr- a narrative over you know over a hundred or so pages. But just in, under the guise that it's a web thing and it's episodic, and therefore yeah. it's not a conventional film that we then get distributed or released in some way. It was something we could just put out on the internet and just have all that experience, kind of gain all that knowledge. But you know, the flip side is it would cost us still a lot of money, and yeah. putting it out on the web would mean that that money could just be gone and nothing would happen. And I'm not in the situation that I can do do that you know i don't yeah. have the money to do your that gift, so. your gift to the world is, <laughs> would have been somewhat ridiculously generous yeah and um, it would have been probably would have been the end of me so i was like yeah. well you know and so then it was like i think i remember saying on the phone to you when you when you put this to me about maybe it should be a feature film i was like mm. have i am, am i just making my first feature film by accident like yeah. if it didn't kind of feel like that <laughs> Because of that, because of that kind of suddenly thrown into a feature film realm of production, it, there were just, you know, there was none of that. There was no budget in place. Yeah. There was no, um, uh, oh God, there, it was just lots of things that we kind of went naively into and weren't really prepared for. But uh, we somehow just kind of pulled it together. But all the things that went wrong, like just things like um, our hire car nearly fell through at the last minute because I realized my passport was out of date because obviously COVID, I haven't even looked at my passport for two years. <laughs> so literally days before we're about to pick the car up because we've got a little mini. And so we needed like a big car to lift up a load of kit and yeah. props and costume. And and obviously we're taking Jude up as well. Wow, yeah. Which is another adventure. another thing that terrified me. Right, I'm going there with a, a two year old kid. <laughs> I'm just bringing him onto set. You know, I just everything felt so bonkers about it. I didn't think that I, I couldn't imagine how it could possibly work. Uh, yeah, so the hire car fell through, and we had to kind of beg and plead with them for, for us to let. It. We had to swap to, for Debbie to be the driver, but then she didn't have another bit of ID that they were requesting. So we had to oh. basically beg to get the car. Otherwise. It looked at one point I was saying to Debbie, look, okay, let's just do it in the mini. And whatever we can't fit in the mini, which would have been everything, uh, we just do without. Or you drive up in the mini and I'll just carry what I can on my back and then I'll go on the train. Uh, Yeah, and then one of our lead actors pulled out a week before shooting. Whoa. 
that was terrifying. But in, in in a sense, it was a it was a blessing in disguise. And we found this incredible actor called Jonathan Broke, who's a very very funny man, who was a great fit with Rich, uh, our other lead, and they just they kind of knew each other from way back from Edinburgh from doing improv oh, tours wow. and stuff like that. So they just hit it off and they just were fantastic with each other. And oh, so in a way it probably worked out for the best for us, but nonetheless, absolutely bloody terrifying. And then the other, <laughs> and then the other big thing, another big thing that happened was that um, I was looking into, of course, we're shooting in this fantastic location that I, I'd booked a year previously mm. uh, one which i may add i never had the ability or the money to go and recce so we had we had not no. seen the location we didn't yeah. see pictures of it another terrifying aspect which has really kind of given me heartburn just thinking about it but anyway <laughs> so <laughs> but we but we knew we had it all to ourselves this beautiful location this cottage in the hills in in the lake district but we did have to go up we had one one day where we had to go up to the top of the old man, which is very tall. It's one of the highest peaks in the Lake District. Yep. Again, another aspect where I hadn't properly thought through that was difficult later on, but I'll, I'll get to that. But um, and so I started to look up. Right, who do I get permission for from in order to shoot? Yeah. And so I was looking at you know the Cumbrian National Trust Board or the you know the Cumbrian Film Board and looking at all these sending emails out to all these people. I finally got an email back from the national, yeah, the Cumbrian National Trust people. And they said, well, you know, we don't own the old man. So we don't, we don't own the mountain. So we don't, but, and we don't know who does, but you can go to like the land registries trust and look it up and you go to land registries trust and you type in a mountain. Like that's good for finding out who owns a field or yeah. a building or, or a path in some bit of the country. But a, mount, but a mountain, it was like, you type in the old man of Coniston and it's just like, I don't know. So I was like, after, after a while, I just gave up. I said, look, well, if it's that hard to find out who yeah. owns this thing, and it, it kind of blew my mind that anyone would own it anyway. I was yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. well, fine, I'll just do without, I'll just do, I'll just burn a Herzog it and I'll just go up there. And, you know, Werner Hertz was always like, you know, filmmakers, we are, we are thieves stealing moments. And, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go up there. I'm a thief. I'm just a steal. I'm just yeah. going to go up there and Don't shoot. Don't ask for permission. Yeah, Don't absolutely. ask for permission, which is part of our kind of gen, general ethos. ethos. Yeah. And of course, of course, when we say it, we mean don't ask for permission to start your shooting. Yeah, yeah. Of, of course, sometimes you are yeah. going to have to gain permission to shoot in a someone's house or yeah, a, yeah, yeah, in a yeah. location. We're, we're not saying you literally raid people's private property no. and just film there and then, you know, shit in their toilet and uh, yeah. eat all their food. No, no, we're no. still... But yeah, don't ask um, for permission to start. But when it comes to getting on mountains, you know, yeah. uh, I, I do feel a bit of an anarchist about these things. I mean, who can possibly own a mountain? You know, well, this this was my thinking. So I was like, look, we're a film crew. We're not hurting anyone. We're not making any money out of this. We're not we're not kind of ripping anyone off. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we're not ripping anyone off. Um, so and we can go. It's a public. It's it's got it's got the you know the the old man has you know it's the public pathway. Um, you know yeah. it's a public way. People can walk up and down it how, how they please. What what's stopping us taking the camera up and shooting some scenes? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, but I did I did forge a in very Herzog style. I did forge an, an email from the, the lady at the national the Cumbrian National Trust Board saying that it was fine <clears> because we because we we're only going to be up there for two hours and we don't have any lights and tripods. I made up this whole elaborate email from her saying, "Well, yes, hi Mark. Well, seeing as you don't have any lights or permanent stands and you're all handheld and you'll only be there for two hours, that's fine. Shoot up there, feel free." So I had so armed with this email, I I, I headed off to my <laughs> up north, and then I get an email maybe two days a day or two before you're about to start shooting from the people who own the copper mines land, which is where our cottages are that we yeah. had permission to shoot on. Yeah. And they uh, had said, um, well, they had maybe uh, as a last minute panic had just mentioned it to the people who own the, the old man who they knew because their land is what it borders. It's kind of, it's they're kind of, but they're kind of neighbors. Right. And they said, you know, you do have to get permission from these people, and these who these are who they are. And I was oh. like, I kind of oh my slapped God. my forehead, and I was like, why did I not ask these people 
when I was back looking, why did I not just ask these people and find yeah. out if yeah, they yeah. knew who owned the land? But to be honest, I didn't really want to look that much. I'd kind of resign myself to the fact, yeah, Herzog it, man. We're going to just go yeah. up there. We're going to just shoot. Yeah, yeah. But now we had been um, essentially grassed up. Sorry, the people who own the coffin mines. <laughs> I'm saying you're grasses, but it, it kind of that is kind of what happened. But um, I, I was like, right, well, now I, I really have to uh, make sure everything, you know, all the I's are dotted and all the T's yeah. are crossed because now they know where, where I am. They know where I'm staying. Yeah. They know how long I'm going to be there for. They know the date I want to try and shoot and everything. So I got, I got, I started getting these emails from this lawyer who was part of the law firm who looked after the, it's the Rydell estate or the Rydell estate who owned okay. the, the old man of Coniston. Yeah. It's very intriguing, isn't it, when you find out all these people who actually own the country that we live yeah, in? Yeah, yes. And so, the, and I Googled, obviously, instantly Googled the Rydell estate and there's, there's Rydell house somewhere in Cumbria. And it's the, it was the home of the Diocese of Carlisle yeah. or whatever. So it's ancient. Very interesting very kind of ancient kind of passed down through generations, you know, a privilege, you know, this kind of everything that this country is kind of based on, mm. uh, you know, someone was given a mountain. And, and the weird thing is to, to skip to the end of the story, I did end up having to pay a bit of money to shoot on the old man. And I did get uh, assigned um, a location release finally, uh, literally the day before we were shooting, which was terrifying. But I did get, I do have a contract with the name of the man who owns that mountain. Wow. <laughs> it's quite strange. It's, it's very surreal for me. This man can, you know, I can't afford a, a one bedroom flat in London, but this guy's yeah. got a mountain. I was like, I oh, kind of blew my. my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah, so we had a lot of to and fro. And so I, so it looked at one point that we weren't going to get permission to shoot on the mountain in which we, in which we would just have to, my, my, idea was like i'm just gonna have to keep this quiet from the crew and i'm gonna just take us up there and then i'll just take all responsibility should we get should we get caught i mean in a way you know we wouldn't be in court on the mountain you know it takes two and a half hours to get up there so mm. you know they'd have to chase us up but the thing is <laughs> if, if, if they did find evidence that we were up there without having a location release form then they could block us releasing or distributing or whatever so that would be right gotcha. terrifying yeah so yeah so that was that was that was my real kind of headache in the days and then even in the first couple of days of the shoot because you know i there was no guarantee that we were even allowed to shoot the final scenes of the film up the top of the old man which wow. happens to be the name of the film too and the whole reason why we're going there yeah uh you know it wasn't a given that we were even going to get to be able to shoot a frame on the old man. So we were talking about ways we can maybe cheat it <laughs> around the cottage or, you know, just outside the cottage. And um, it was it was crazy. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. It was an amazing, amazing experience, particularly the day we went up the hill. That was crazy and mm. i think we we kind of by the time that was like our third day of shooting i think and uh we um we came up with a plan the night before or in the days leading up to that what we would do is we would leave very early in the morning about six yeah and we would um we would go straight to the top of the mountain and we would shoot the end of the film we wouldn't mm -hmm. stop on the way to shoot the scenes of them climbing up. And then what we would do, we just mentally take note of places that might look good on the way up. Yep. And as we, uh, and we'd come down exactly the same way and we would shoot on the way down the stuff of them going up the hill, yep. um, which ended up being a fantastic way of doing things because even when we got up to the top of the hill at nine in the morning or half nine in the morning, we only had the top of the hill to ourselves for about half an hour before shitloads uh, of people just right. showed up. Yeah, yeah. And it was busy and there was a lot of people and there was lots of people who had to shoot around and tell to be quiet. And it was like wow. shooting in a it's like shooting in a public park in London <laughs> by about 10 o'clock. There was just tons of people everywhere. Um so but we did, but we got it done. We got it done. So oh amazing. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I have to say, looking at all the photos that you were putting on uh, social media, I just, well, first of all, I was massively jealous I wasn't there because oh, I just mate. felt like I was missing out massively. And I knew 
you were having a brilliant time, albeit I now know how much stress there was beneath the surface. But um, yeah, I, I also know I'm sure Rami has <clears throat> shot some beautiful stuff, and 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 uh, I'm sure the actors have really pulled it out of the bag. You know, being in a real location obviously kind of creates a real atmosphere for an actor. You yeah. know, they're really there. They're really walking up that hill. They're really experiencing it. Um, and uh, yeah, seeing all the pictures of you kind of having wrapped, I was just super, super proud of you. I have to say. Oh, thought, mate, thank you. I thought it was a fabulous achievement to get up there and get it shot. Yeah, I think everyone did really get a kick out of being up there because we were, we were in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we were very remote. And yeah. uh, so... It, you know, which was part of the the great anxiety about lead in the build up to the shoot was just having a a, a very very low budget shoot in somewhere so remote. Yeah. It's kind of terrifying when you're trying to pull it together, and you just don't know how people. Everyone, you just don't think everyone's going to get there. Yeah, uh, it's going to work. You know, what if we've run out of? You know, what if there's what if there's some what if actors are unhappy and there's some kind of crew mutiny there's no for people to go yeah uh, you can't just go out to the pub you can't go you can't even go to the shops because it's quite it's quite kind of a mission yeah uh, so the whole kind of logistics of the thing just absolutely terrified me and then when we when we got there you're kind of overwhelmed by the beauty of the place but then uh, that feel, feeling of kind of awe was kind of suddenly um switched to terror when I you kind of look up to the left you're looking at the cottage you look up to the left and there's the old man and it's mm. fucking huge <laughs> and you just think I think I've been really misguided here in my idea that I could just shoot this thing <laughs> and, uh, and I'm kind of going it's fine because the cottage is really close to the mountain and it is really close to the mountain it's kind mm. of in, in at the bottom of it but then to think that you know we can get a crew with with film cameras and audio recording equipment to the top of the mountain it's like a two and a half hour trek upwards mm. it's very fucking steep wow um i just i kind of panicked because i just thought what what have i got us in what have i got us into i just couldn't see how it was going to work yeah so uh, so it was a great relief to have that the day on the mountain finished we didn't quite get all the time I, you know, I would have loved to shoot more up, up, the, up at the top. There just wasn't the time. There wasn't the, yeah. uh, there wasn't the space for us up there once all the kind of walkers came. But um, I think what we, what we got was great. What we got was great. Well done to you all and well done particularly for you. And it's funny how you talk about the fear and the kind of terror involved because um, I think having, you know, both of us have sort of got films over the line in the past uh, and yeah. obviously this is another level because um, it's a it's a longer foot project and you know you're you're going to exotic locations etc um but the interesting thing is once it's done you'll kind of forget all the terror but yeah you, but you'll have this thing that you've made yeah and so that's the thing to keep reminding yourself of is all the stress all the pain all the terror will kind of disappear once you've got this thing that you've made that's yours yeah. that you've created from nothing from a wish a desire that you had and a collaboration that you that you put together and a, and a juggling of your, your personal time and the talents of other people and their goodwill and and all of that stuff is in a way it just seems very distant when you first start because you just think well you know, I've got this idea for a film, and then you get to the nitty gritty, and of course, the 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 you you're literally climbing a mountain. I mean, mm. it, it couldn't be a more actual metaphor for the whole experience, could it? <laughs> You've literally got to get up a mountain, and that is what kind of making a film is a bit like. It's like climbing up a bloody mountain with all of the pitfalls that you don't expect to be on the way. Like, like I didn't even have in my mind that you one of your problems would be shit loads of p other people. I just think, well, you know, he's going yeah. up the mountain. It's going to be hard. It's going to be cold. It might rain. He's going to have to be carrying stuff. He needs tarps, you know, all these normal things. But the idea that one of the big problems is just there's loads of other people there and then you can't yeah. physically shoot it. This, These are, it's like the... Um, you know, it's it, it's a little bit like those computer games where you go from level to level to level. Each level, there's a kind of a monster that's worse than the last one. Yes. But of course, once you get to the top, you're at the top. 
and then you've you've got to the top and you you've gone through all those levels and you don't worry about the monster that you had to overcome in level one and level two anymore because you've got there yeah. so it's a fabulous metaphor that you've managed to build into your, your <laughs> first feature film <laughs> it, it was it was <laughs> the experience did, but, of making a feature film in some way you know it was and we did laugh about it on the way up the the, the mountain because it was you know we were we'd have to share the the burden of the Ari Alexa <laughs> mini, yeah, um, which is one of you know this one of the smallest of the you know Ari but Alexa still cameras, but still, heavy. <laughs> I mean, when you're trying to lift up a mountain, it's so heavy, yeah. And so we we kind of switch and we kind of take it in turns, and you know, me and Rami did laugh at each other, like it, we were like a walking metaphor for that for those two hours of getting yeah. that camera up the hill because you're literally <laughs> just shouldering this thing up a hill, just trying to get it to the top, yeah. And it's just as bad on the way down as well, but um. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was worth it because once we were up there, it looked incredible. You just feel yeah. like you're on the top of the world. There's yeah. there's like these kind of buzzards flying around almost at your head height at the top of the mountain. And it was just incredible. You just see for miles and we lucked out with weather so much. Like I've oh. always had, I had it planned in the schedule to be that Friday, the 18th of March. And but I was always ready to move it around depending on the weather. You yeah. just have to move the shoot days around. And we were just right on the button. It just, we had two rainy days. Our first two days of shooting were pretty, pretty kind of uh, wet and, and, and moody. Yeah. Uh, and the weather report was showing actually Friday is going to be fine. We were like, wow, that's the day we're going up the hill. And the sun just came out for us and it was absolutely beautiful. It was oh, so gorgeous. There you go. Yeah. Well done. Well, good stuff. Yes. Weather watching is always one of those things which, uh, again people kind of don't even realize can effectively completely ruin your yeah. job because because albeit you think oh we'll shoot it anyway it it's i mean weather you know rain just slows you down you get half the amount of shots in bad weather it's not just that it isn't perfect for your moment in your film it's it's literally just that it takes much much longer to 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 get yourself around yeah. and you just have to manage your kit and make sure everything's dry and protected yeah. and it's just yeah you're right you're right. It does kind of slow stuff down, but yeah, yeah. The, 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 so the last half of the shoot, the last three days, um, we, we had glorious weather and it kind of worked out very nicely. You know, the brothers turn up at this cottage and it's quite rainy and drizzly and moody. And by the yeah. time they kind of come back down the mountain, it's lovely and sunny. So it kind of works oh, nicely for the film as well. Yeah. But yeah, but the, yeah, the schedule was kind of, kind of quite grueling actually. We did have a, a lot to get through and, we did fall behind. I think even after the first day, we were kind of a scene behind. And then the second day, that was two or two scenes, maybe three scenes. And and I, I found myself, I think it was on the the night after we came back from the, the mountain, going up the mountain, um, I just I just had to sit down and, and write because uh, the, ne the next following day was a really heavy day as well. So I thought there's no, and we'd missed loads of shots. The plan was to go up the hill, come down and shoot some stuff at the, flat in the evening yeah. and then we didn't shoot any of that stuff clearly because we were just knackered and it took us much much longer to kind of do the mountain stuff uh so i had to sit down and I, I basically wrote this new scene um that basically took all the story beats from about three or four scenes yeah crammed them into one scene so it meant we could drop happily three or four scenes so we didn't have to shoot rami rami had the brilliant idea of shooting it in the there's a hallway in one of the cottages and it's where we shot the brothers' bedrooms on either, mm. you know, so basically the doors are facing each other. Yeah. And Rami, Rami said, why don't they just come out of their bedrooms and they're kind of in the corridor, we'll lock the shot off and they're just popping in and out the doors uh, mm. and we, they can do the dialogue. And and so when I wrote it and we blocked it, we had, we had them kind of popping in and out the doors, you know, like almost like cuckoos out of clocks oh, yeah, yeah. during the scene. And it made this really, really lovely scene because it kind of helped with the idea of these two brothers who aren't really together anymore, uh, you know, in, in any kind of way, but are kind of forced together for this weekend. And here they are almost kind of living their childhood lives again, where they live in the same house, their rooms are opposite each other. And it kind of yeah, built yeah. up that kind of tension really, really nicely. And it ends up being a really, really great scene, but it was yeah. written on the fly out of desperation because we yeah. just had to get through the stuff. We had to get through the story and we were <laughs> missing it. We were dropping scenes every day. So um, that really, really helped us out a lot. So it's things like that you learn on the shoot, you think. Yeah. And it also teaches you a lot about writing because the scene was actually great. And yeah. I, just cut, I just cut out loads of waffle that was in there from the other three or four scenes. Yeah. And just took all the 
the key lines from those three scenes, three or four scenes that stuck them into one. And it worked and it was really snappy because it had to be, because it was it to be. crammed together. Yeah. But it worked. It worked so well. Worked really, yeah. really well. Well, it's, they often sort of say that the um, the script isn't, uh, is only really there to sort of get you started. And the final script writer really is sort of the director and then the editor. So, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you're making the film right until you, 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 kind of hit export you know as in the, yeah there's still so many story decisions to be made but um yeah that, that's amazing that you kind of managed to pull something kind of wonderful out of that uh adversity as it were you know that's classic diy thinking i think as in how yeah. can we do the whole show right here if we can't if we can't climb up the mountain, let's just do the whole thing right here and do yeah. it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it. It really was almost that, which would have been a real shame because it would have been shame having to shoot the mountain, cheat the mountain just outside the cottage when we were literally <laughs> at the bottom of the mountain. I mean, I think we probably would have um, gone up and shot something anyway. But like I say, yeah. it would it would have been these kind of rather kind of. Uh, you know, scary law firms that would have kind of chased us down when it came to distribution <laughs> time and asked us to pay. The up. Lord of the Manor. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I sent so many begging emails to that lawyer guy and I was saying, look, we're, we're not, we are not doing, we are, we're not, we are just a small production company, i.e. it's just me. Uh, yeah. we're, not, we're not working for any broadcaster. We're not working for any TV, you know, uh, production company. Yeah. Uh, we're not funded in any way. We don't, we're not, we don't have a distribution deal. Uh, and he still, he still bloody charged me, but he, he was, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you can't quite pull off the it's just a student film thing anymore, can no. we? Unfortunately, <laughs> they take one look at you and think, Yeah, not sure, uh, man. Mature student doesn't yeah. quite bring it for me, but well done. You put you kind of pulled it together. And so, how much of the script do you feel like you've you've shot? What do you think is left? Then? Um, I feel like we shot about 70% of the film. Oh, wow, amazing. So, we've done, we done really, really well, and we really pulled it out of the bag. Rami was amazing. Um, Fabulous. Uh, I've got to mention that actually, everyone, all our cast and crew are amazing. So Richard Glover, Jonathan Broke, and Rachel Barry as were our actors that were up there. They just, they just turned in incredible, incredible performances. Yeah. Uh, Rami was amazing, our DOP, and he was just a real workhorse. He did the whole. He pretty much did the whole film. Uh, handheld mm. there was a couple of locked off shots you know he nearly killed him we nearly broke rami but um, it was <laughs> he's tough it was, it, he's, a, he's a tough nut so it was um it was really worth it and then andre our, our sound guy was just brilliant and it, everyone was the perfect kind of character we needed to be up there right uh, making that film and everyone just kind of pulled together really nicely debbie of course probably had the hardest job there because she was she was wardrobe makeup she cooked for everyone, lunch and dinner for everyone for seven days. Oh my god! And she had a two-year-old to wow. as well. So I don't quite know how yeah. she did. So hats off, hats off to hats uh, off to Debbie. Involved. Well done, and everybody yeah. else. Yeah, congratulations, team. So, and have you got any plans? Are you just taking a little bit of a break, or you got any plans for the next batch? Uh, uh, well, I've kind of run headlong back into loads of work. Like me and you were chatting on the phone, weren't we? How, yeah, how yeah. busy we suddenly suddenly are. So I've kind of I kind of hit a wall of work. When I, when I got back, um, so I've only just started uh, looking at stuff really, mm. and, and and earlier today I started maybe just starting to off the first you know movements <clears throat> of organising my footage and the project, and uh, but I've had a look at stuff and it, it does look great. I don't know the next batch will be we need some money, we need some finishing money to finish the film, do the London yep. shoot, so that'll be the next thing. I mean we're, we're going to release this podcast in the future, so these things might be out now, but my next steps will be a teaser trailer, teaser scenes, little promotional films, just to kind of help us drum up funds to gain that finishing money and to kind of get yeah. that money in place to, to do the final shoots. Because, you know, we've got things like we've got some deferred payments for people that we need to kind of honor, yeah. uh, you know, and, and those, def those deferments were basically, you know, we signed contracts that people agreed well, they would defer that week on the promise that the next shoots would not be deferred. And so we yep. need to, so we need to have money for the, for the second half to make sure that uh, the production can complete basically or, or properly. Well, it's great that the, the guys have, have been so kind of understanding, you know, this is how, how DIY projects are made is by goodwill and, mm. uh, 
people who've got a sort of passion and sort of love for for the the project and um and hopefully you know things come together and then everybody gets what they deserve sort of at the end of the day i'm probably going to look uh, like in the next week at a couple of avenues as well like there's kickstarter or maybe yep. there's like a finishing fund like a uh, yep. if the BFI or Creative England have something that's kind of a finishing fund that we could maybe apply for. Uh, and Rami was also saying production companies, approach production companies and say, and, and show your tester reel and some scenes and, yep. and see if they would want to take it on there. Then, then there's, then that kind of throws up questions of, you know, of course, then it becomes someone else shares the project with you or takes it on completely or what have you. There's that kind of aspect. And then not, you know, do production companies want to take on something that has already had, Kickstarter funding, you know, so there, there's all these kind of issues that kind of throw up. So I need to kind of look into that this week yeah. and just investigate that. But yeah, it's the next stage is just raising, raising that money uh, for to, to, to finish the film. Cause it, I, it's just what we've shot so far, honestly, Rami's done such a great job and Andre on the town and, and all the actors, what we've got, the stuff we've gathered so far is so lovely and so good. There's such lovely scenes there. And, and I don't, I don't want to wait too long. I don't want to sit on it too long before we get this no. one finished and, and in front of people. A lot of the next scenes are kind of uh, London-based, but inside homes and things, aren't they? So yeah, pretty not, much. It's yeah. not so seasonally dependent or it's not so right. location dependent. It's more about finding the right kind of place that just gives it the right... Uh, atmosphere and then um and yeah those that can happen a lot of it's interiors isn't it i believe that's right yeah most of it is interiors and there's still and there's still people to cast there's still actors to cast as well so it's just we we really it was really a film of two halves you know because once we yeah. had once i'd locked in that location and it was set for that march shoot um that all all the focus had to be on just getting that done first and then yeah we knew that the, the rest could kind of follow in some way. Just start, as we know, just, just start. start. <laughs> just start. That's how it got done. But, but Rami was uh, getting Rami on board was absolutely brilliant because, um, you know, I was, I was so ready to shoot it in, in a, a very, very uh, DIY way. I was even thinking of using, you know, bits of my kit and bits of your kit. Yeah. Uh, at one point when, when I had a sound guy I was speaking to when he fell through or decided not to, to do the film, <clears throat> I was going to boom the sound myself. Yeah. You know, all of these things that would have just looking back now would have been absolutely disastrous. Yeah. You know, um, you know, because when you're desperate, you kind of just, I mean, I was so desperate that when, our first actor pulled out. I said to Rich, "Shall I play Drew?" <laughs> and he was like, "He kind of, he kind of had this very uh, slightly horrified look on his face." And uh, <laughs> and, so, and luckily, Jonathan just came along at just at the right time and was, and was amazing. So, but yeah, but Rami, he, he pulled he pulled some kit together. He pulled the Ari together, you know, together and a couple of bits of lighting kit. We were grossly underkitted in, in in terms of what we were trying to do. Like we yeah. needed so much more, but. We really, really, Rami really made it work with what with what we had. With what we and had, yeah, fabulous. It looked fantastic. And you, I'm guessing you weren't carting massive sets of uh, prime lenses up that mountain. Were you shooting on a zoom, or how did you shoot on that? Took maybe three lenses up the mountain, so yeah. it kind of it kind of it kind of really slimmed. It. The kit was really slimmed down for that. So even in the sense that we were kind of cutting it fine in terms of batteries and stuff like that, which is why which is why we came up with the plan of going to the top of the mountain first and shooting the vital stuff yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Cause if we ran out on the way down, then we could shoot around the cottage and, and kind of make it work somewhere else. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the kit was really, really um, streamlined. So he had, he had, he basically uh, uh, over the first two days, we kind of experimented with some lenses. And so we knew what kind of worked well for certain kind of uh, scenarios and there, uh, and, and the ones that were seemed to be our favorites. And so when it came to going up the mountain, we just slimmed it right down. So someone said on the night, the night before we were going up the hill, you know, in, you know, it costs five grand if, you know, in mountain rescue were called out. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't, didn't want to know that. I didn't want to know that because, you know, if, if it just takes one of your party to go over on their ankle and bust yeah. it or, break an ankle or whatever and, or take a massive fall you know that's the that's the least that could happen but you know or take a massive yeah. fall and injure themselves really badly uh and then you're in all kinds of horrible trouble uh, luke who was on the shoot with us he was quite experienced so he was very much into you know what we needed to bring with us and how how hot and cold we we're going to be at certain points of the climb and the water we needed to carry how much water we needed to carry and wow yeah you uh, need and, him and all our kit and and uh and he knew the route really well uh but 
but just but even hearing him kind of explain how you know all the things we have to think about you know I, I, as i was writing i was going yeah and then the next day we'll just go up the hill and it'll be fine and the weather will be great and you know when you're writing these things it's very very easy but on the day before you're about to do this set off for this climb at 6 a.m the next morning yeah uh it, you suddenly just you it's quite terrifying thinking about oh my god i hope i just hope i just you know i don't know about everyone else's fitness levels you know are they going to be able to make it up the hill yeah and yeah. of course i i did it i did it when i was um in my 20s with a bunch of mates but obviously now we're all in our 40s plus and um uh you know it was quite a serious climb. it was quite a serious climb it was absolutely <laughs> exhausting and um uh, but it just meant that getting up there was just all the sweeter it was amazing well there you go i love it well well done i can't wait to see the results uh even if there's just some loose shots i'm sure the listeners will be very excited to see stuff um yeah and uh it's a proper achievement if you've got something together and yeah 70 percent shot is actually amazing sent me a message earlier about um the klf movie which i ah I, yes I, I rent i who killed the klf which i i rented earlier today but i i kind of had it on while i was working just the, yeah. I, I, I think i watched the first third yeah and then i thought and switched it off and i thought no i have to i, I can't i have to You've watch this give properly. it to your attention yeah so i i did actually watch it last night i couldn't help myself because uh obviously you know they're a bit of a uh, an influence on us and, uh, and and in many ways many lessons from the klf have kind of manifest in some ways in what we're doing you know both of us yeah. making foolhardy decisions to make films from nothing and um not uh, asking for permission and getting on with it anyway and managing to do it as well you know yeah so it, um it's um it's an interesting film because it's not officially sanctioned by the two guys from the KLF. Oh, right. Is it not? So right. there's no interviews with them uh, that were made for the film. They've cut together interviews that have been found and sourced. Right. So, uh, but it's still, uh, you know, it's got fascinating insights. And um, uh, obviously, you know, we're big, we're big fans. Uh, and the, the the brilliant nature of of the KLF's kind of can do attitude that ended up with them obviously at the point where they literally had a million quid that they they couldn't think of anything to do with it but to uh, set fire to it you know they're they're the end they're almost the end point of the absurdity of the yeah. of the DIY attitude as in if you can just make anything happen and that that comes what comes from that is money well then you know what comes from the money well what is what, what's the use of the money if yeah. you just made anything you wanted happen come to life through the force of your will your collective will and your humor and your wit and your intelligence yeah. and you controlled the whole process well then if you end up with a million quid at the end of that and more um then you know what worth is that money because that money doesn't actually help didn't help you to get you to where you were you just did that anyway so it's a fabulous yeah. it's um it's a brilliant metaphor for the diy filmmaker it's a well-made film i mean it's um it's you know in some ways it would have been great if if both uh Jimmy and Bill would have been participants in it. But from what I gather and from what I've also interestingly gathered in a more personal way recently, mm. uh, because I have had some contact with, um, well, secondhand contact, but contact with one member of the KLF, yeah. um, that uh, they don't like to look back. Right. They, okay. They don't, they only want to look forward. So their interest is in focusing on the future projects and what's happening now. Yeah. 
But um, for us fans, it's great to see a film told well about. Oh, it was that amazing. Story. It, I thought it was beautifully made. It, yeah. the, the, the section that I saw, and and also I loved the bit about how, you know, it was all basically being run out of Jimmy Corti's kind of squat, it's wasn't squat. it? And, yeah. And, yeah. And they they literally had in the basement boxes and boxes of records. Yeah. Uh, and that's where they were getting. That's where they got. When they got printed, that's where they got delivered to. Yeah. But but they were beating hand over fist all the major record uh, labels and all the kind of marketing money that they were pumping into things. Yeah. They were just running it out of this kind of squat somewhere in London, and I just can't. Yeah. It just seems, and and that that must feed into that idea of their you know, well, what's a million quid? It's all bullshit anyway. Yeah. You know, the fact that they could beat all these record companies at their own game. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, obviously we don't, we don't know for sure because interestingly, they don't know why they did the million quid thing. Um, after making all these brilliant records, I think they all and these sort of yeah, having these huge pop hits, they kind of felt like they got to the end of that mission, the mission which was get to number one. Well, they did that, and then they told other people how to get to number one, and those people then did get to number one, yeah. And then they got to number one five or six times or whatever around the world, and then the next mission was like, well, what is our next mission? And obviously you know, we're in a society that's based around money and consumerism. And, and in some ways they saw that, uh, I think, as um, a fantastic critique. But I mean, certainly it, it didn't come without uh, a certain amount of um, soul searching, as in, you know, I, th- I don't think that they were entirely satisfied with their reasoning. I don't think they yeah. had solid reasoning behind it. Um, but it's, I do recommend it as a film, particularly as a, obviously they're a big influence on us. And um, I've, yeah, I've, I have recently, part of my film project has recently overlapped with uh, the KLF. In fact, there is a section, as you know, in the film with, oh, the, yeah, of course, with the KLF yeah. visiting that you've so wonderfully animated and designed for us. As, as a cult, as the DIY cinema cult, you know, yep. the, K, the KLF are part of our, you know, we are we are a polytheist cult and we do uh, celebrate a certain number of deities, you know. Yes. Louis Brunwell and, and maybe yep. Werner Herzog and, yep. and David Lynch would be among. And of course, the KLF, I think, are among them. So it's. Uh... Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right that we're 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 a, we're a cult but in the uh, chaos magic kind of way of a cult, as in choosing to pick up a kind of um, a, uh, and follow something whenever it suits us and then being equally happy to drop it at the next kind of uh, uh, opportunity. (laughs) Should we need to, to choose another Godhead to to take us up that mountain? So, Aaron, to tell me, how's the film coming? Where, what stage are you at with Free Party? Well, I definitely feel like I'm climbing a mountain too. Uh, and, uh, it, I mean, those those feelings of fear and terror are fairly regular in my my day. So um, we, we have a top of a mountain coming in very, very quickly, which is mm-hmm. in the next six to seven, well, seven weeks' time, almost to the day, we are going to be screening something to a real audience now we're not in the situation where we can uh show it to members of the pub paying public because Mm -hmm. licensing is such for music and footage that uh you've got to have all of your legalities uh well and truly sorted so my equivalent of the lord of the the manor that you had the who owned Mm. the mountain is the entire copyright industry, which currently, which of mm. course is quite funny thinking about the KLF who are so, uh, such kind of, uh, you know, infringers on purpose on the copyright world. Um, but basically to, to screen something in public um, to uh, a paying audience, you need to have certain licenses in place, particularly for music and for, um, for archive footage. And the reality of that is that the, the types of uh, uh, footage that I'm using. So say, for example, news clips or um, bits from, from uh, libraries 
mm. or, or or big rave tracks from from 30 years ago costs a fortune to mm. to, to to kind of pay to, to do sort of uh, full licenses for for that but we what we have got is uh we we pitched to the arts council um for a kind of companion exhibition idea and the idea was that um the film can only really uh express a, a kind of an idea uh the, the documentary is a very broad subject you know about sort of free parties and and what have you and even within an hour and a half to two hours long film it's going to be very very hard to to sort of cover all of the ground that 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 enormous cultural explosion has um mm. and so i i always thought well maybe there's a, a non-linear way for people to experience this as well that can kind of take in areas that the film won't be able to cover because the film has to kind of in some way follow a linear form it, you it starts it has a middle and it goes to the, it comes to an end whereas maybe there's an opportunity for people to look in more depth in a more of an exhibition format and so we pitched actually for some money from the Arts Council mm-hmm. um, uh, for £23,000, ironically, speaking of the KLF, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the idea being that we would put a free exhibition on for a week in Bristol. And um, off the back of that, there would be some screenings uh, of the film in whatever form it's currently at. Um, right. And then there'd be some parties attached to that and there would be... Um, Q and A's and talks and uh, sorts of you know it make it a cultural moment beyond just it being a film that people watch. So mm. amazingly, that's all happening, and um, it's going to be happening in about six weeks' time, which is really scary. Fantastic. Uh, but um, so that our our aim at the moment is to get the film into some sort of shape so mm. that we can watch it um, with an invited audience. And the invited audience are going to be drawn largely from uh, the people who, who uh, donated towards the Kickstarter and mm-hmm. contributors for the film itself. So right. we, we we will invite people to come and have a watch, maybe some industry people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be that we are about 80% finished. And so, we, you know, there might be some things like watermarked footage. There might be some things mm. like unfinished um unfinished uh soundtracks we may not have all the credits done but we're going to show it in as best a form as we possibly can um it it may be that in the end we're, we're not quite ready so that we we show some excerpts but we hope to finish to show as much as we can to an invited audience on the date which is obviously going to be quite significant for a lot of people which is the 30th anniversary of castle morton um that week so the event yeah the exhibition yeah. is all happening that week um in a strange way what what, what i've realized is that we're almost at the end of the edit process although we're, we're very long it's still about mm. two hours and 45 minutes um and uh there's there's a there's certainly a lot of chiseling down to be done there's only so much you can kind of shorten things before you actually need to start just choosing a little bit like you okay maybe just these scenes we just can't do these scenes well maybe some scenes just have to be cut um Mm. and obviously you're always thinking no not that one not that one um and some scenes that we've had perhaps luxuriously uh exploring certain moments maybe we have to summarize them a little bit more yeah yeah So those really tough decisions now about you know how much do people care about this how much which audience is going to uh respond to this aspect of the story it's a very tricky very tricky mm. thing but we're going to show it in and in six weeks time which is absolutely terrifying <laughs> in some way uh and in that time we've got to come down from now at the moment we've got a, a working uh assembly like I said, about two hours, 40 ish. And we've got to get it, I think below two hours, ideally a little bit less than that. Mm. Um, And it's got to go from being fairly rudimentary looking at the moment to at least polished enough so that people feel like there's a, you know, the story is very clear. Um, so we got our work cut out. Ah! Oh, mate. I feel, I feel oh, your pain. There's more monsters it. at the bottom of the bottom of the mountain. I so- feel your pain because I'm. I do remember coming. Uh, you know, 
getting back to work after New Year's and kind of going uh, right and having it written in my diary, like it's 10 weeks, 10 weeks now until we shoot. Yeah. And just feeling so unprepared and, you know, not having enough of anything, of money, of kit, of crew. Of, yeah. And uh, I just counting down. But each Monday I'll turn the page in my diary and it'd be like, right, now it's nine weeks. Now it's nine eight weeks. weeks now yeah. it's seven, six, five. So I know, I know, I know exactly how that feels because that was giving me such sleepless nights. Yeah, just not knowing how it was all going to come together and if it would come together. But uh, I'm sure for you it will. And I can, I can, I'm you know going to be free soon to jump back on and and uh, help out in amazing in animation yeah. or what what have you. Yeah, well, way. definitely. Well, the the I'm hoping um, it's a kind of an all hands on deck for the next kind of three, four, five weeks with everybody who's able to help, which is fabulous. Mm. Um, we've got uh, Nick, our editor, who's been you know he's been helping out all the way through. Uh, selling his flat and moving back to his parents, so he's been oh properly God. missioning. He's he's currently uh, uh, cutting down um, uh, acts four and five into some sort of workable shape, and uh, and then we should have uh, Andrew, who's also one of the other editors, coming back on board. He's also contrib- contributed loads of amazing footage. So, you know, I'm, I'm always thankful for him. And then you're the icing on the cake, Mark, bringing you back. <laughs> this is the dream team. The dream team is forming. Uh, we've got entire sections at the moment. We, we, me and Nick just sort of nod to each other going, that's fine. Mark will sort that out. You know? <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> that concerns me. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, yeah, we've got a few bits that are, that are, you know, possibly light on anything else, but a graphic, yeah. a grounded animated approach. Um, yeah. It's going to be good. It, it's quite a good reference to KLF film. Cause there's a couple of, of great bits where you think there's only one way they could have done this scene, which is animation. Yeah, yeah, and they've, they've, there's a there's a key bit right at the end where you think they've they've got this recorded conversation, and yes, potentially they could have done a recreation of it, but they could only really yeah do it as an animated version. So um, yeah, it's a good it's a quite a good reference in terms of it's a, it's a mixed media approach. You know, you've got mm. archive footage, archive sound. Obviously, you've got all the the stuff that the KLF did, the music videos and the TV appearances and all of that. But then they've done some recreations, which we've done a very small amount of, but we didn't really have the budget for recreating Castle Morton. It's, you know, it's a lot of people. (laughs) Just five people. (laughs) Yeah, 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 just lots of them. Yeah, like our friend Gareth Edwards. He's got like a broomstick across the shoulders and lots of balloons as heads. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. definitely one area that we think may change after the screening is actually the ending of the film because Mm. um, something may let's say not sure but it could might actually be occurring the week that the film is screening Um, I'm not going to say anymore but if it does occur then perhaps it becomes part of the ending of the film so I'm just going to leave it at that and don't want to (laughs) tempt fate (laughs) (laughs) So it could be a very self-referential thing of us filming the end of the film when we're showing the film. Who knows? But anyway. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We, I'm intrigued. We shall see. But I'm it's, intrigued. It's, it's been a mission, that's for sure. And it's still a mission to go. Oh, mate. Well, I wish you all the best for the final, the final yeah. stages. Well, lovely seeing your lovely face again, Aaron. It's been Absolutely. a long time. Absolutely. Likewise. Well, there you go, episode 26 of DIY Cinema Cult. We have some exciting news about The Old Man. We have a brand new teaser trailer for our feature film, and you can see that trailer right now by going to kickstarter.com, searching for The Old Man, or you can click directly onto the link that will feature in the show notes of this episode. Go to Kickstarter, find The Old Man, and you can see our new teaser trailer. You can also see all the ways you can get involved in this film right now. There are lots of really exciting benefits and rewards involved so go to our kickstarter page see how you want to get involved and join us on this journey now of bringing this film to life we really need your help and you can be a vital vital influence in getting this film onto the big screen what's more we will be releasing an episode of diy cinema cult every week of our kickstarter campaign that's every monday 
So next Monday, we will have episode 27, in which we will be talking to our lead stars of The Old Man. That's Richard Glover and Jonathan Broke. It's a brilliant, brilliant episode. They came on to chat to me and Aaron. We had such a laugh. So don't miss that one next Monday. Also, do make sure you check into our Facebook page. Um, That's either DIY Cinema Cult or The Old Man Facebook pages, as well as our Kickstarter project page for The Old Man, because we will be dropping little uh, behind-the-scenes mini-documentaries during our Kickstarter campaign. I think we've got like one or two a week. Um, So do, do, do keep an eye out for those, because there's some great info there. We've got some great films about the actual production of the film, us going up the mountain, our cast and crew, and the locations uh, that we had up in up in Cumbria in the Lake District so do keep an eye out for those anyway thank you so much for all your help and support so far and see you next time on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com